0: One of my favorite and many people's favorite verses in the whole Bible is Romans 8:28. It says, "And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose." All things work together for good. It doesn't say some things or certain things or a few things. All things. Now, that's pretty mysterious because there's a lot of things happening in my life that I think, how can this possibly be good? It seems really bad. But this verse is true. For those who love God, all things work together for good. And we're going to see that in our reading today in the life of Joseph. That all things truly did work for good for Joseph and for his brothers. I'm so glad that you joined me on Audacious Arrows, where we're becoming recklessly bold men and women of faith through the power of God's Word. Where we left off in the story of Joseph was that Joseph had put his brothers to the test by putting his silver cup in Benjamin's sack. Then he sent his servant, his steward, after them and accused one of them of stealing his silver cup. When it was found in Benjamin's sack, the consequence was going to be that Benjamin would have to come back and be Joseph's slave in Egypt. Well, the brothers weren't going to have that, and Judah in particular went to Joseph and offered that he would stay as a substitute for Benjamin. He would take Benjamin's place. He showed sacrificial love. And that's where we left off. Now, one thing as we're reading this is you might think, well, why is Benjamin so special? It seems like Joseph cares about him more than his other brothers. And we can think about that a little bit and understand the story better. Benjamin was close in age to Joseph. They were the two youngest boys. They had the same mother. Both of them had Rachel as their mother. Remember, this was kind of a mixed up family. Jacob, their father, had two wives and then two concubines. So there were four four mothers of these 12 boys. So Benjamin and Joseph have the same mother. Also, Benjamin wasn't there when Joseph was sold into slavery. When his brothers threw him into the pit and wanted to kill him and then decided to sell him, Benjamin, that whole time, was at home with his father. So I think that Joseph has some um, special feelings for his little brother, Benjamin. And it's possible that all of this testing, all of this, you know, putting a cup in the bag and everything was maybe a plan to try to get Benjamin away from his other brothers. It's possible that Joseph thought these brothers are probably still wicked. And I want to make sure that Benjamin is safe with me. So it's possible that he was trying to rescue Benjamin in a way. But things have really taken a turn, and we're going to have the climax of the story today. The climax of a story is like the high point when everything all comes together. The story builds and builds and builds, and then it reaches like the high point. And that is going to happen in our reading today. We are picking up in Genesis chapter 45 today. So find that in your Bible, Genesis 45. Here we go. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers couldn't answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, Five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. "'And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth "'and to keep alive for you many survivors. "'So it was not you who sent me here, but God. "'He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house "'and ruler over all the land of Egypt. "'Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, "'Thus says your son Joseph.' God has made me Lord of all Egypt, come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck, and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. After that his brothers talked with him. When the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come. It pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, do this, load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households, and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you shall eat the fat of the land. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say, Do this, take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father. And come, and come, Have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. The sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons, according to the command of Pharaoh, and gave them provisions for the journey. To each and all of them he gave a change of clothes, but to Benjamin he gave three hundred shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. To his father he sent as follows, Ten donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt "'and ten female donkeys loaded with grain, "'bread and provision for his father on the journey. "'Then he sent his brothers away, "'and as they departed, he said to them, "'Do not quarrel on the way.' "'So they went up out of Egypt "'and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob, "'and they told him, Joseph is still alive. "'He is ruler over all the land of Egypt.' and his heart became numb, for he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived, and Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. What an emotional reunion here when Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers and they realize that this brother that they thought was long gone is actually the man standing right in front of them. They were probably a little bit shocked and maybe even a little bit afraid. Joseph here is in a position to punish them. He can throw them in prison. He can have them executed for what they had done. And what these brothers had done was truly wicked. Attempting to kill their brother, throwing him into the pit, and then selling him into slavery was very, very wicked. There's no question about that. I think we see the main point of this chapter in verses 5, 6, and 7. Joseph, rather than having vengeance on his brothers, tells them, Do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph sees that even though his brothers were so wicked, God had a bigger and better purpose behind all of it. Later on, he even says, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And what was the good purpose? It was that through Joseph's actions, God used Joseph in Egypt to store up this grain and preserve life to keep not only Jacob and his brothers and his own family alive, but to keep Egyptians alive and all of the people all over the world. The famine was very severe and had Joseph not stored up grain, had Joseph not been able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams and plan ahead, many people, many more people would have died during this famine. So God had a good purpose in having Joseph in Egypt. And it was not It was not the brothers who sent Joseph to Egypt, but God. God kind of overrided their wicked actions. God's good purpose was accomplished despite the brothers' wickedness, which we've talked about that that's kind of the theme of the book of Genesis. And we see that theme in many places in Scripture, where there are wicked things that happen, but God uses them for his good purpose The best example of that is Jesus dying on the cross. Certainly, God had a very good purpose in Jesus dying on the cross, and he was in control of that. Jesus laid down his life willingly. He could have called out to his heavenly father at any moment. and had legions of angels sent down. He could have gotten off that cross. He could have escaped. He was Fully God, right? But he willingly laid down his life. So we know that God was in control when Jesus died on the cross, right? It didn't just happen. It was a There was a plan there. But at the same time, the people that crucified Jesus committed the greatest crime in all of humanity by executing a completely innocent man. So you have people's wicked, evil actions while at the same time, God is working and accomplishing his very good purpose in rescuing many sinners from all over the world. Just a few chapters later, Joseph is going to say this again. He's going to say to his brothers, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So that is a That's a big theological truth that we can learn from the story of Joseph. And when there are hard things in our life, when there is evil in our lives, we can know that evil truly exists. It's really bad, but God can work it for good. God can accomplish his good purposes in your life in spite of bad things that people around you do. Our memory verse for this last week was Proverbs 15, 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It's a good one for all of us to memorize. I'm so glad that you joined me today in memorizing scripture and reading God's word and thinking about who our great God is. We'll see you next time.